0: Welcome to Game Changing Ed with Donika Arnold-Brown. Come in, take a scene, get ready for this interactive and meaningful lesson designed to enhance your everyday educational walk. This weekly podcast will offer quick gems from educational leaders and teachers to help you be successful. Now, let's get started. Hi, guys. I'd like to welcome Cynthia Ceneville-Jackson to the Game Changing Ed podcast and community. Thank you Cynthia for being here tonight. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about um, your educational background and where you are now.
1: Okay, so um, I started out with my undergraduate degree uh, in interdisciplinary studies is what uh, it was called for elementary education. Uh, and then I moved into um, a master's degree in educational administration, um, and then moved through just the the process of being a classroom teacher, a reading specialist, instructional coach, um, even a full-time, a full-release mentor is what it was called then, um, and then into administration assistant principal and into principal. So this is my 11th year, or 10th, yeah, my 11th year in administration. And how many years in education total? This is my 20th year.
0: Ooh, bless your heart. I'm trying to get that. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's, that's a good amount of time. And one of the reasons I thought that you would be an excellent guest is because unlike so many um, educators, especially new educators come again you, you know, went to college with the purpose of getting into education. Um, Right. As a principal and um, a veteran administrator, is that something that you find that there are a lot of new teachers who are coming in who this was not their original plan?
1: Uh, Exactly. Um, I can definitely say um, across the span of 20 years, Um, It has gone from the norm to major in elementary education uh, into uh, most or a lot, what I'll say, a lot of our candidates, now our teaching candidates, are a part of some type of alternative certification program. Uh, So that is definitely um, different. Um, And, you know, I think it, it definitely adds just a different perspective and it brings um, a lot of different um, experiences into uh, the schools and into the school system. Uh, but then there are some basic, um, just basic practices and, you know, pedagogical things that are not there because they did not have kind of that development and that invested time purely into education. Right. So that, 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 those are some things that I have seen, kind of the pros and cons of both, of both areas. Gotcha. And so when you have these new teachers on your campuses,
0: what is one of the things that, one of the many things you think that they need that are, would be high on the priority list of what they need from their administrators to be able to support them in being successful in their first year?
1: Um, I would definitely say the top two would would be classroom management or classroom community um, because I really believe in the idea of of a responsive classroom. Uh, I definitely believe that the classroom has to be a community in which uh, there is just, it's a safe place and it's a place where everyone takes ownership of the learning experience. And so, having classroom management, um, a community effort, and I would definitely say um, lesson planning and um, customizing the learning experience. Um, We know that with differentiation, uh, you can have, say for instance, three different stations and kids rotate to do all of the stations, but when you take that a step further, where, you know, each kid may have a certain skill that they're working on or developing through project-based or, you know, whatever avenues you're taking, but really uh, working towards um, starting a teaching career that is pretty much customized or individualized, even in the general education population, not just um, for special education. And so it's definitely hard to do uh, you definitely have to take it in chunks on what part of the day that you would want to customize per child. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think having teachers be able to plan and prepare uh, for more than uh, just learning styles, but for the individual needs of each kid. And with that, do
0: you also
1: find that some of our veteran teachers, because I kind I see
0: this, um, and because I, I, I know you're at the elementary level, correct? Right. And I know as we see this a lot kind of in middle school and junior high that some of our veteran teachers don't understand that what they did maybe 20 years ago to be able to build that community or um, and, you know, differentiating, they may need to kind of tweak it a little bit because we're dealing with a different kind of child than what for us, for example, from what when we were in school, you know, Kids nowadays, they're exposed to a lot more, they have more things at their hands, they have a lot more technology. So do you see veterans kind of um, having a struggle with that as well?
1: Right, you know, I think that it it often, well, it goes both ways. There are some veterans who jump on and are the most innovative in terms of, you know, uh, tapping into new instructional practices, but then we do have those that still have the mindset of you know um, the the basic you know reading of the book, writing a summary, using the words in the sentence, just that kind of baseline yeah. um, instructional practice versus something that's more rigorous to like how do you correlate the theme of this book to something that you see in society or something that your life you have in your life you have experienced and so what. We realize today, if you think of it in terms of reality TV, um, and even though it's, I don't think that it's real, but, you know, it's really scripted. <laughs> but in that big concept of reality TV, kids are used to seeing things that are real time. And so being, learning has to be connected to real time uh, in order for kids to engage um, Engage deeply, but then also when you consider um, the, your, your population, if you have a Title I population, there's going to be some different things that maybe include uh, maybe include basics like snacks or breakfast in the classroom because they don't or may not have food at home. There are some other things that have to be done before their little brains can even get going exactly. versus a, non, a non-Title One school, breakfast is, you know, almost every day you cooked at home or eating on the way to, you know, to school. And so they don't come in with that obstacle of hunger and they, you know, can already go into that, that learning expectation. And so you really have to be able to um, address the culture and the, the people in which you serve in order to uh, structure the learning experience. And so the deeper, whether it's a veteran teacher or, or not a veteran teacher, the deeper that they can connect with the children, the more real uh, they can make the learning experience.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree with you 100%. I know a couple of years ago they had <clears throat> the, you know, whole rigor and relevance, um, training in our district. And that was the big push in how to make your instruction, uh, rigor, rigorous, um, but at the same time, relevant to the students so that they did have that buy-in and they were able to access it at a level where they could really be successful and really get what it was that you were trying to, um, teach them.
1: Mm-hmm. So, that's yeah.
0: A, that's a point, important part. Um so when you think about new teachers or veteran teachers um, or anybody on the campus who has aspirations of getting into administration, um, what are some of the things that you look for in one in an administrator who's looking for um, someone to be a campus leader on your campus? And how do you think or how would you encourage? teachers and educators to go about getting the experience that you look for in someone to be a campus leader on your campus?
1: You know, initially, uh, you would say, um, like a, a typical or, um, a, cliche type answer be like, well, yeah, I'd look for that strong instructional leader and look for that you know person who you know can plan an effective lesson and there's engagement present. But I think after um, being an administrator and kind of seeing just the different levels from the instructional coach to the assistant principal to the principalship, um, I would definitely say that I would look for a, a person that practices flexibility because in administration, there's just so many unknowns. Like in a classroom, you know the students that, that that are gonna show up to your classroom. You know the subject that you are going to teach. You know the grade level that you're going to teach. And so in the classroom, it's such a safe place because you know uh, so many things. But when you transition into administration, you then not only um, are, are tapping into instruction and keeping that instructional piece there, but now you have these unknowns. Is there going to be discipline problems today? Is the school going to have to go on a lockdown? Is the cafeteria going to flood? You know, and there's oh, just right. so many things that you have to juggle as an administrator to where it's not just about teaching third grade math, teaching sixth grade science, because the, your your constant is not ever constant. <laughs> Good point. So I would definitely say... Uh, Administrators have to be flexible. You have to be able to um, roll with the punches, so to speak. And so looking for someone that's flexible, also looking for someone that's a good listener, um, because you now have added to your plate, not just children, like your classroom. Now you have children and adults and typically groups of adults that you have to be able to listen to. You have to be able to support, accommodate, hold accountable. And so that's that next thing. This person has to have the ability to have hard conversations because this is where we see teachers that may need to shift and do something different We see them still um, negatively impacting the lives of kids because they speak educator ease and they've been doing it for so long, but they're not as impactful as they could could be in the classroom. And so having those hard conversations, uh, hey, we need you to start using computers or hey, you know, when are you going to stop reading Dick and Jane books? We have, you know, <laughs> online innovation. And right. so you, that they have to be able to have those hard conversations as well. Because it's not easy saying, oh, wow, what am I, you know, how am I going to have this conversation? Especially when you become like a friend or, you know, you have a different relationship. And so you have to be able to still do what's best for kids. Schools are for kids. We work for kids and we have to just be able to, you know, really digest that.
0: Yeah, it's funny you say flexibility because in my new role as a magnet coordinator, um it's you, you go in thinking, hey, I'm a magnet coordinator and I'm going to, you know, do the things that are related to being a magnet coordinator. But you are almost an assistant principal without dealing directly with the discipline. So having breakfast duty, having lunch duty, hallway duty, making sure students are getting to class, getting pulled in to handle discipline sometimes. Um, And so it is, um, it is interesting because I've definitely had to be a lot more flexible because, you know, it is a safe place in the classroom. You know, class is going to end. You know when it's gonna begin. You yes. know that you're not gonna keep. They will be leaving, and you will be getting another group. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. You know you're gonna have a set amount of time that is just yours for planning, for calling home, to go to the you know that kind of thing. So, it, it it definitely is a safe place, and so that that's one of the things that um one of the things that I'm doing with Game Changing Ed is we actually have a virtual mentorship program um, that we're starting and so my goal is to give aspiring administrators a safe place to start having these conversations without someone that's necessarily either on your campus or from your district because you can kind of still be um kind of you can you're still gonna kind of watch what you say because it's somebody from your campus in your district and you don't want to Paint yourself in the wrong way from a potential job or a potential administrator based on something you said. And so my goal is with this virtual mentorship is to say, this is the same place where you can vent about anything and everything. So what are the issues that you're having? What are some of the gripes you have as a teacher because you don't see that other side that administrators have to deal with? Um, and how can you move forward in kind of getting in your mind that you're gonna have to Think about these things as well, because if you want to be an administrator, you're going to be the bad guy. You're always going to be the bad guy.
1: Oh yeah. It's always your fault. Second, <laughs> <laughs> it it's your fault. Even if you weren't there, it's your fault. Exactly. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Pretty
0: much. Pretty much. So as we kind of close, what is some um, two, two, two pieces of advice. One, what would you, what would be the one thing that you would say, to a brand new teacher who has never been on a campus who's starting school day one? What would be the the
1: one piece of advice you think is most important for them to know? Day one, first year, I I would definitely say, um, this is your time to learn and lead uh, because you are learning so much your first year of teaching. I mean, I remember, my exact classroom, the classroom number. I remember the clothes I wore uh, on my first day of teaching. And I remember my hairstyle. I mean, it's just so, such a um, a moment in, in my life and career. And I just remember pulling the door closed and, you know, whispering a prayer. And I said, oh, Lord, these are my kids. What am I going to do with them? <laughs> because, you know, I did the student teaching, I did the long-term substituting, but this was my own class. This was my own group of kids. Mm-hmm. What in the world have I gotten myself into? I am in control of some little people's lives. I am, you know, in charge of these little people. Right. And so I would definitely say, um, you know, learn and lead. You, you have to do it simultaneously in the classroom great 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 that's that's excellent and then one piece of advice that you would give
0: to an aspiring administrator what's one thing that you would tell them um as they begin to put themselves in positions to um get these roles get these opportunities to get the
1: experience that they're going to need um to be an administrator i would say um that it is important to um be the best support system and or, and or assistant that you can be uh, because oftentimes it's so easy because as you move from the classroom, so, you know, you go from a staff member, you could have whether it's 15, 50, or 500, you know, teachers on the staff, but as you dwindle, you know, as it goes, quote unquote, up the ladder, there's only one principal and that person carries a load that others will never know until you have fulfilled that role. And so, I would definitely say reserve your judgment until you have walked in those shoes.
0: Great great advice. Well, Miss Jackson, I appreciate your time. We have appreciated having you, and if you again are interested maybe in being a mentor, um, go to my website. You can sign up and hopefully you can share some more nuggets with an aspiring um, administrator or campus leader. Oh, awesome.
1: A great opportunity. I'll check it out. All right. Thanks again
0: for our sub for today, guys. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Game Changing Ed and com. Have a great day.